Thank you, Bob. Good morning, everyone. I think it's good to have a full room. If you are new this morning or if you've come in and thought, what is going on? Let me just reassure you. Um, we're still going to learn from the Bible. We're still, as Bob has introduced, still going to be trained by God for the kingdom, to be part of the kingdom of God. But we're just going to have a slightly different style. There'll, st- there'll still be some teaching from the front. There'll still be some stories. But they'll also have a chance for you to discuss what we're talking about. If you will have some questions on the screen which will guide your conversations around the tables and if for you you feel really uncomfortable, I don't want this to be your worst Sunday morning ever. You can just sit back, have permission, sit back and listen but still I hope your desire is that you would be trained too for righteousness and for being part of um, God's kingdom. Now um, we're starting as Bob said, a new series in the parables of Jesus. So running right up to um, the end of November, we're going to spend some time studying Jesus' parables. Parables or stories that Jesus told the, uh, those who were listening 2,000 years ago. So let me start. Let me start with a question uh, or a little quiz. And the, que- the, the question is, what do these following characters have in common? So our first character, raise a hand if you know who he is. Don't shout out, raise a hand. Jane? Say that again. Who's, what, Johnny Depp, what's the character? Jack Sparrow, thank you, Jane. Next one. Who, who is it? You, either character or name, it'd be, I'd be impressed if you get the character. It's Nicolas Cage. Anyone know the character's name? What film he's from? It's National Treasure. His name is someone Gates. Uh, ben Gates, okay? So, third one. Who are they? Oh, don't shout out, Mr. Birch. You're a teacher. <laughs> who is it? Deacon? The Goonies. Yes, the Goonies. And finally, who is this? Who is this? Jules, Long John Silver. So have a little chat on your tables. What do these have in common? Go. Okay, let's have, um, let's have a, a bowl table. Tell me what you think your answer is. Naomi? Yes, they're all searching for treasure. Give yourself a pat on the back if you got that one right. These characters, though fictional, devoted themselves to finding treasure, life-changing treasure, they hoped. And for us today, treasure like that perhaps isn't that realistic, though we do seek other life-changing treasures in our life, treasures we hope are going to just totally change our lives. We look for in places like relationships, in careers, in status, don't we? And if this, what if this world, though, offered a treasure that was truly life-changing, so much so that you would be willing to give up everything to get that treasure yourself. Well, that's what I want to introduce you today, and we're going to read from Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 13, and we have three verses, and in those three verses we find two parables. It'll come up on screen, but it's Matthew 13, 44 to 46. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. 
Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Two parables, three verses. We're going to delve into both of these this morning and get to discuss them and hopefully at the end see that Jesus is worth selling everything and giving our lives for. That is the treasure that he is. Now, the context of this was written in the Hebrew world. It was written to Jewish, uh, it was spoken to Jewish people who were listening to Jesus. Yet, in our Western world of style of learning, which influenced by Greek style, they would learn to understand. So, they would learn about something to understand it. Or put it another way, they'd learn so they would achieve mastery. And once they'd mastered the subject they'd learnt about, they would be lord over that subject. They would be in charge. They would be lord of it. For example, you might decide to learn all you can about gardening. So you understand everything from conifers to herbaceous borders to how to prune your, your established espaliers. Then you would be master of your garden. Hebrews, though, their way was different. They'd learn to become obedient to whoever was the teacher. And in this Jewish culture, it was Jesus who was teaching. So people would be learning to revere, to worship God. And their learning would lead them to obedience in Jesus. So with that in mind, I don't want us to come to our table this morning and think, oh, I want to master this, I want to know everything I can about treasure and learning, uh, all about kind of being hidden in the fields or about pearls. I want us to learn not to be Lord over our subject, but learn so we can be obedient to our Lord Jesus. Happy with that? You agree with that? We want obedience to come from today's learning. So we're going to look at the story now. I'll tell it to, do, to you first, and then your job will be to retell it to one another on the tables. I'm going to tell it with 12 pictures from a fantastic book that my children own called Stories Jesus Told. So you'll see those pictures, and those pictures will get to your table. So here is a man who buys and sells things. If you notice, we're doing the second parable this, uh, on the tables. He is a merchant, he has a fine fur coat and a felt hat with a floppy feather. It is his favourite hat. The house he lives in is huge. It has five floors with a fish pond with a fountain in the front garden. The merchant has everything he wants. He has 15 rooms filled with furniture. He has four freezers full of food and three fridges full of fizzy drinks. And there is money More money under his mattress than you could ever imagine. Much more. Yes, the merchant has everything he wants. Until one day in the shop window he sees something. Something special. A wonderful white pearl. 500,000 pounds, says the man in the shop. It's even money, more money in the world. More money than the merchant has under his mattress. But wow, he wants that pearl more than anything in the world. So he hurries home and makes a plan. 
He sells his furniture, his fridges, his freezers full of food and drink. He sells his home with his fountain and his pond. He sells his fine fur coat. But the felt hat with the floppy feather he keeps is his favourite. He borrows a barrel, bundles the money to the shop. Oh, no. He's only he's six pounds short. Only six pounds, but he's not got enough. Sell me your hat, says the, merch, says the man in the shop to the merchant. The merchant laughs and he takes off his hat with a floppy feather and he gives him the hat. And in return, he receives the pearl. Hooray! The pearl is his at last. Jesus says, God is like the merchant's pearl. It costs everything to know him, but he is worth more than anything in the world. There's your story. I want you to retell that story. You've got 12 pictures that will have come to you during that retelling. And just spend a few minutes retelling the story to one another, joining in as much as you're able. Let's, um, Let's have a little look how you've got on. Don't worry if you've not got to the end of that activity. Um, the retelling of it, hopefully you'll have them in a line or in an order so you can refer back to the story as we ask some questions of it later. Where do we start with the story? What's our first picture? The man with the hat. That's great. The man with the hat. He's a merchant. He buys and sells things. Second picture. The house, yeah, so we get to see something of the, how rich this man is with his huge house. And he has everything he want, wants. What's the first thing we see of what he has? Yep, Joel? Yes, it is. What's the second thing we see from him? The fourth picture, Joseph? His ridges and freezers. Fifth one. What's our fifth picture? The money under his mattress. Yeah, so there's a wealthy man who we and see. And then what is the sixth picture? Moving away from his house, he sees in the shop window something special. What's this, what's special? What is it in the sixth picture? A pearl. Okay, in those days, I think we have pearls fairly, they're farmed fairly frequently because there's quite a lot of pearls in jewellery. In the days of Jesus, pearls were so rare. It was that that made the pearl so uh, amazing, so wealthy. How how much did it cost this pearl? Five hundred thousand pounds. Now these weren't Jesus' words. This is kind of the way the story is being retold to us. And that is the seventh picture. How much? How much the money? The man is told how much it's worth. Picture eight. What happens? What's the eighth picture? Yes, of him selling, putting everything on the market. Number nine. Not just selling his house, Ali. Oh, almost, almost, yep, almost. What's before that in the story? Not quite. There's one more thing he sells. So he's, yes, his fur coat. Yeah. So he's now only left with his hat. And that's right. So we, he's short of money. He goes to the shop. Picture ten, short of money. Harley, you're dead right. He sells his hat. And what's the final picture? In doing this, he's got enough money. He can buy the pearl and he sells everything he has. Because that pearl 
is worth more than anything in the world. So what does this story tell us about God? What does it say about who he is? What does it say about what he's done? I'll give you a few minutes on your tables. Those questions are on the screen. See where you get to. Sound all right? Off you go. Okay, I'm going to give you a second question. You can carry on on the first if you want. If you feel like you're in a really good discussion there, carry on. Your second question, though, is what does this tell us about ourselves? So if you put yourself in the story, what does God say to you? And carry on those discussions. I'll, I'll bring us back and hear some answers in a few minutes. Okay, let me, let me bring you back together. Any, any thoughts of either of those two questions? What does it tell us about God? What does it tell us about ourselves? We'll start with the first. Any thoughts from the tables? Really, I really appreciate feedback. It helps us actually um, learn something and feel like we're collectively learning. Because God speaks to you through all, for all of us too, remember? Yeah? John? Brilliant. Now, I'll come back to what John said. So what John said was, God is willing to give up everything himself for us. So we can see the parable in, through two lenses. Now we read it, looking back to what Jesus has done. We either look at that God is the treasure, and we are to give up everything, and that is true. But in light of what Jesus has done, we can look back on the parable and see that the way Jesus came stepped out of heaven, he came for us, that we are his pearl of great price. Brilliant. I love that. And if I know there was a few other tables who discovered that as they looked at it. Fantastic. Dave? Yeah. That's brilliant. So for us, as we want this pearl of great price, we want Jesus, we want what is so expensive, it feels like oh, we can't have it. It's too expensive for us. But through Jesus and his death on the cross, raising, raised from the dead, we are able to have it. Everyone is able, whether they're rich or poor. These two stories actually contrast a rich man, who is the merchant we've looked at. The other parable, it's someone who's probably a, someone farming someone else's field. He's not a landowner. But he managed to get enough money to buy the field and then have the treasure. So God's saying, rich and poor, whoever you are, you can have this treasure. Um, what does this tell us about ourselves? So we put ourselves in the story. Yes, Joel? Ah, oh, yes, so we can be really attached to some of our stuff. Okay, and... And it's costly. It's costly to give up what we have, but we've got to make a choice. God, you're more important. You're more important. Thank you. Let me tell you a, a story. A story of um, a man who's born in India. His name's Raj. And he was born, one of six children, to a really wealthy family. And he was the highest, um, cat, of the highest caste in Indian culture. So he was like the most kind of important, from the most important group. He was important and he had status. And at the age of 23, Raj encountered Jesus Christ and gave his life to follow him. 
he, he was someone who didn't, his family didn't follow Jesus. He followed other gods. And Raj's family disinherited him. They cut him off from their family. As far as they were concerned, he was dead. They even held a funeral service for him. Neither his parents, his brothers or sisters ever spoke to him again. And for several weeks, he wandered the streets of Bangalore, virtually without food to eat. He walked all day and he slept at night in the park. Yet he'd started a new life. He began to speak of his newfound faith in Jesus. And through him, thousands of others encountered the risen Lord Jesus and gave their own lives to follow him. He went on to become a Christian leader in that country of over three million people. And now he's the national director of Alpha in India. And recently he gave an interview that he'd said he'd had a blessed life and God had more than compensated for his losses. Although he left everything he said, in Jesus he found the pearl of great value. Some people are desperately searching to find Jesus. A little bit like the merchant who's selling pearls, looking for what for pearls to buy and sell. Yet others, like the the second parable we're about to look at, they almost stumble across the treasure. And either way, God's saying, I want to know you. If you're actively seeking, I want to know you. If you just stumble across Jesus, and even this morning you feel like, oh, I've been invited, or my family always bring me. And there you see it really clearly. That Jesus is the pearl worth, every, worth selling everything to have. Jesus wants you. And this, the Bible says, verse 44, is where real joy is. In his joy, the man who farms and finds his field, he goes home and sells everything to buy the field. In his joy, will find joy. Let me retell you the parable that I've just been alluding to. The parable of the hidden treasure. So here's this man who's probably a farmer, farming someone else's field. It's pretty common in these times. He finds a piece of treasure as he's been farming. He hides it again. He sells all he has and purchases the field. Therefore, purchasing the right to own the treasure that's hidden within it. I don't want to be distracted here. There's nothing dubious or deceitful in what's going on. The Jewish law um, of ownership of the land means he has he owns the treasure if he owns the field and the purchasing of this field eliminates any basis for that being contested so this well-known and traditional interpretation of the parable we've looked at through thanks through john's real helpful understanding is so this parable is what what's traditional what's a traditional understanding is that we're like the man who finds knowing Jesus is the treasure. We can know him, it can be ours, but we have to give up our life and surrender ourselves to him. And through that brings great joy. I'm sure that's what God has been revealing to you, that that understanding as you've chatted on your tables. Yet, there is a second equally biblical perspective. And it will help us see why Jesus is so worth it, worth the cost of following. Is What if the man who finds the treasure is Jesus? We are the treasure. 
And Jesus finds us hidden in the world, which previously was owned by Satan. And Jesus sells all he has. He steps down out of heaven and sells what he had before at the right hand of the Father. He sells it and he comes and he purchases the field through the shedding of his blood on the cross. We were bought with a price, the Bible tells us. And why did he do it? He did it for the joy that was set before him. Quoting Hebrews. The joy that he has. He did it because he knew we would be part of his family. We would become brothers and sisters in the kingdom. And he would then be exalted the highest place at the right hand of the Father. Jesus stopped at nothing to purchase us. Look at the cross. He paid for us. He paid for us because he loves us. We are his pearl. That's how much he treasures us. So what does a surrendered life look like? What does a life look like that that gives up everything to follow Jesus? Because if he's worth it, if we're his treasure, then we want to know the treasure that he is to us. Well, Oswald Chambers, author in the 20th century, reduces surrender to giving up four key areas. And um, he says it's giving up self-righteousness, which is the pretense of being worthy. That our own worthiness before God, we can't get there by ourselves. We aren't worthy of doing good deeds. We're worthy before God because of what Jesus has done. So we've got to give up our pretense of ourselves being worthy. Secondly, we've got to give up behaviors which are sinful. Thirdly, attitudes which displease God and desires that love things which God doesn't love. So maybe the behaviors, there are actions. Attitudes, they're the thoughts of our mind and desires are the things that come from our hearts. Paul writes to the Ephesian church, puts it this way, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitudes of your minds, and put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So we are to repent and walk daily with Jesus. Jesus' desire is, that, is to take us away from the things that, um, how we used to live, and take us with himself. Now, I need a little helper. I've got lots of helpers in the room. Who wants to take part today? Harley, come, you come down. You can help me. You stick your hand up. You, no, he's too shy. Let's have a second helper. Go on, Joseph. Go and help me. Because what I'm going to show you is Joseph. Imagine him, someone who's making a decision. Do I follow Jesus? Do I not? You hold all those things. Currently, before Joseph commits to surrendering himself and giving up you know, his life to follow Jesus, he has, just flick through them, self-righteousness that he himself is worthy. He has behaviors that are sinful. He has desires which are things that, um, that mean he loves things that God doesn't love. And he has attitudes. You find attitudes which displease God. And he has all those things with him. He carries them around as he walks. But then one day he finds a pearl of great price. And Jesus says to him, if you want to follow me, you've got to lay all those things down. Put them on the floor for me, Joseph. And he says, I need to turn you around 
what I should have done, because I should have got him to face this way as he was showing his cards, because we're turning him around, and I'm Jesus in the story. Please forgive me, I, you know, I, um, I'm not trying to big up myself. It's helpful, it's helpful for the drama. And he said, Joseph, walk with me, and I'm going to give you my righteousness, not self-righteousness. Keep walking a bit further. I'm going to give you behaviors, actions, which are empowered by my love and my spirit in you. So they're pleasing. I'm going to give you attitudes of your mind. Your thought life is going to be transformed because of my power in you. And as he keeps walking with Jesus, he's going to have godly desires come out of his heart. It's where Jesus is living. A transformed life. That's what we're after. That this pearl of great price is so valuable. Not only do we receive Jesus, but we also receive power to live a life that honours him and pleases him. Give Joseph a round of applause. Thank you. I must say, Joseph, you're wearing an exquisite shirt this morning. So in light of all God has taught us this morning, we've got to ask what we're going to do about what we've taught. We don't want to just be masters of understanding things and being puffed up with knowledge. We want to be obedient to the one who is our Lord, who is the teacher in this story. He's the one telling this parable. We look briefly at joy, and we've, we've recognized that this kind of living is costly, and it'll certainly mean you'll need to lay down things, not just at the moment you become a Christian, but you'll keep need to laying those things down. Yeah, I think this morning that the devil's confused some of us and that he's left us without joy. That we've given our lives to God and started walking with him. But we've been left joyless. And, And when we try and find our joy in things in the world, we're left completely unsatisfied. We're happy for a moment and then the next day, it's gone. Like me trying to be, find joy in England's success in the cricket. Oh, two weeks ago, I had so much joy. And then it fades as we start a new test match. But joy can be found in Jesus. True joy and lasting joy. And in his great, for, his great love for us this morning, the confusion or the fog that you might feel around you, living a either a joyless or a joy-stunted life. He wants to cut through that fog. And he wants to show you the power of the cross. And at the cross is where you might receive joy, true joy, in a life of following Jesus. So our response this morning, wherever you are, wherever you're coming from, the right response to a God who gives up his life for us, for our future, for our past, that our sin is forgiven, our present, that he might be with us, our future, that we might be with him in eternity. What we, The cost is us saying, I'm going to give my life to following him. And in return, he gives you power to live from the Holy Spirit. He comes and walks close with you. And he gives you joy in your surrender. So I'm going to ask the band back now. The band are going to play um, a song that speaks of brokenness and surrender, speak of knowing Jesus. And they're just going to play it as we listen, as we reflect on what we've heard. 
I want you to think of these uh, as I summarize a couple of questions. So we are to be like the man who gives up everything because we found knowing Jesus, that's the true treasure in this world, which can, can be ours if we give up our life surrender ourselves to him. It might well be costly. However, we find true joy. So what's keeping you from surrendering every part of your life? That's question number one. What is keeping you from surrendering every part of your life? And secondly, do you see Jesus as this pearl of great price? Can you see him? as this pearl of great price.